0: Christ appears to the apostle John. 27 different books written by different people all consistent all announcing that Jesus has died, Jesus has risen, and Jesus is alive. Each in different ways spell out the implications of this news for the church and for the world. This morning we heard uh, read from John's gospel account of his first meeting, Jesus' first meeting with his uh, disciples. Just briefly this morning, I want us to note three things about that meeting. Three things, three ways in which the risen Christ met with his disciples and what those mean for us today as through his spirit he seeks to meet with us now. The first thing we need to note is this the doors were locked. In John's Gospel, we have uh, two meetings here. Firstly, Jesus comes, uh, he's risen from the dead, the tomb is empty, and he comes to meet with his disciples. All are there, uh, bar Judas and Thomas. John reminds us or tells us that the doors were locked. A few days later the disciples gather together again and again the doors are locked. This time Thomas is with them and Jesus appears in their midst. He doesn't have to knock. He doesn't have to open the door. There is no appointment. His arrival both times is unexpected and unannounced. This is no ghost. He shows them his hands and his side. He is real flesh and blood. This is the resurrected Christ in a transformed body and closed doors are no bar to his entry. Today in our church and in our lives through his spirit Jesus can go where no one else can go. He can go to the places where no counsellor can go He can enter the rooms no therapist has access to. He can go to the places no doctor can reach. He can come to the place where you are. Jesus can reach the parts no one else can. And through the Spirit of God, he can transform those parts. No one else has ever lived a life like Jesus lived. No one else has died and rose again. No one else is living now and active in this world in the same way that Jesus is. And he longs to meet with us. And he longs to meet with us in the depths of our being. There is no door, no barrier, no lock which can keep him out. There's nothing that we have done or said or are frightened of. That can keep him from us. He comes to Peter the denier and Thomas the doubter, and no barred door will keep him away. The doors were locked, and the disciples were afraid. Their leader has been crucified, their people view them as a heretical sect. They're viewed as a threat to Rome and a threat to the Jews. These are hunted men. They meet in secret. They lock the door. They are frightened. They're in fear of their lives, fear of the future, and they're in fear of failure. A few of us know something of those fears too, and others like them fear of not being a good enough parent. Fear of losing the house if we can't pay the mortgage. Fear that our marriage might just not be having a hiccup, but in serious trouble. Fear for the future of our kids. And those of us who are uh, committed Christians know that we should bring those burdens and fears to the Lord Jesus Christ. But often we struggle to do so. Often we're afraid to do so. And Jesus comes to them while they are afraid. He doesn't wait for them to get their act together. He doesn't wait for them to come to him in faith. He doesn't wait for them to have everything sorted and all the uh, I's uh, ticked, or dotted, T's crossed. He doesn't come when their faith is strong, but when their faith is weak. There's a wonderful promise in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. God says to his people, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Jesus is the living embodiment of that God. And he comes to his people when they're frightened. Jesus comes to us in the midst of our failings. Jesus comes to us by his spirit and is able to reach through our fears. West Bridgeford is a difficult place to have fears. It's a difficult place to be a failure. But Jesus comes in West Bridgeford too. By his spirit, he reaches into our midst and gives us the strength to face our fears. And gives us the ability to deal with our failures. And Jesus comes and he stands in their midst. He comes right into the middle of their meeting. He doesn't stand outside waiting to be called in, he doesn't deal with them as a distant deity who is far off. He's not playing games, he's not toying with their faith. He's there right in the center of their meeting. He wants them to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is alive. He wants them to see him. He wants them to know him. He wants them to trust him. He wants them to believe in him. He wants them to love him. And that they might do all these things, he stands in the middle of them. This is a fantastic picture of Of the church, the risen Christ with his followers around him. It's a challenge for us in a busy church like West Bridgeford. It's a challenge for us to keep him at the center of all that we do. It's a challenge for us to allow him to take his rightful place at the heart of all of our activity. There are lots of good things going on at St. Giles, and we'll celebrate those uh, next week at our AGM. But we must always be careful that we allow Jesus to take center stage. And not just in in our church, but in our lives. And not just in our church lives, but in our real lives too. Jesus wants to be in the center of those as well. Again, from the Old Testament, we read that our God is a jealous God. And jealousy is an ugly word, and it seems difficult to put that with the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the truth is, he will not accept second place. He will bow to no rival. He will accept no compromise. The Lord of heaven and earth laid down his life for us. He laid it down and he picked it up again. And he calls us to lay down our lives too, to carry our cross and to follow him. He's jealous of his place in our lives. Jesus can't just be another relationship we squeeze in. He wants to be more than just a distant Facebook friend. Jesus wants to be in the midst, at the centre at the heart of things. And when we discover him there, there is only one response. Thomas, face to face with the risen Christ, falls at his knees and cries, my Lord and my God. No lock can keep him out. No fear can hold him back. He longs to be in the centre. And he brings two things. Firstly, he brings peace. The first words Jesus speaks to his disciples are, Peace be with you. The first words he says to Thomas who doubted him are, Peace be with you. He comes to these failed, flawed disciples. These broken men. These men who abandoned him at the cross. Fled him in the garden of Gethsemane denied him in the courtyard, ran away from all that following him entailed. He comes to them and his first words are not rebuke, but peace be with you. Jesus comes and he brings a blessing of peace, of shalom, of wholeness. He speaks words of healing and reconciliation. They've let him down. They've run away. They've denied and doubted. And Jesus speaks words of peace and shows them signs of peace: hands with nail marks, a side with a spear mark. He shows them his wounds from the cross, because it's through the cross that this peace has been bought. Through the cross that this relationship is restored. It's on the cross he carries the sins of the world. Those sins die when he dies. The power and penalty of all that we do wrong dies with him. And in love, he conquers death. His love is greater than the grave. His love is greater than anything which would separate us from him. He speaks words of peace, words of forgiveness, words of reconciliation. He speaks these words today to any who would receive him and receive them. To any who would look upon a scars from the cross and with Thomas say, my Lord and my God. He offers this peace to all of us. The question is just, will we receive it? And to those who do receive this peace, he offers something else too. He offers a new purpose. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. The risen Christ is the message that the church takes to the world. The risen Christ is the heart of the good news that the disciples took to the world. They loved message of Jesus, they loved the teachings of Jesus, they loved the practices of Jesus, they loved the real Jesus, but the heart of their message they took to the world was simple. Jesus is alive. Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus has risen again. Jesus is more than a teacher, more than a philosopher, More than a healer. Jesus is God incarnate, the God who died and rose again. And if he rose again, he's alive. And if he's alive, we can meet with him. And if we can meet with him, he can transform us as he transformed those first disciples. Let's pray. Father, we pray for ourselves, our friends, and our families. Pray for those we know in the church and outside of the church, for those who know you and those who are uh, far off. And Lord, we pray that by your Son and through your Spirit, you would draw close, that you would reveal yourself to all of us and to our friends, that no door would keep you out, no fear would hold you back. And Lord, we pray that we would hear afresh your message of peace and blessing. That you would give us the faith and courage to take hold of those. To embrace your wounded hands and to rise and follow you. In the name of Christ, Amen. Amen. We're going to stand and sing again.